Today, we are diving straight into yoga, meditation, and Ayurveda. You might already be familiar with these three spiritual sciences, or you might be like, Arya, what? But no matter what your experience or exposure is to these three sciences, my aim for this episode is to help you understand why you need these three healing sciences in your life on a regular basis if you want to thrive personally and professionally. It is the tools that come from these three sciences that have actually transformed my health and my well-being. I went from experiencing chronic pain, inflammation, gut issues, acne, anxiety, being overwhelmed all the time, into being fit, strong, not having chronic pain that holds me back from living the life I want to, and naturally resolving my acne. It's also what has helped me break the cycle of toxic relationships that always have ended in the same way. It's also helped me just feel more confident in my own skin, relax my anxiety, like I mentioned a moment ago. I went from being always on edge, always needing to be perfect and have it all figured out, to just being the real me and being able to show up in my own life with some true presence. That is what has helped me rise. Rise into the person that I want to be and the person that I'm really proud of being today. The same is possible for you. This can be true for you too. No matter your age, stage, background, you can embrace these spiritual sciences and use the tools within them to transform your health, your happiness, and your success. Let's dive in. I'm Perinaz Shams, and this is Embrace Your Essence podcast. Yoga, meditation, and Ayurveda are all distinct in their design and structure, but at their essence, they all serve a very similar purpose, which is to help you integrate your internal systems so that they function harmoniously. As a result of harmonious systems working within you, you will experience greater joy in life, success professionally, love in your relationships, and you will generally like who you are more. This is the beauty of the spiritual path and spiritual tools. They are so effective because really what they're doing is bringing you back to yourself. They integrate the layers of you. And this is really important to realize because I think a lot of us are caught in this idea that health and love and being actually fulfilled in life must be complicated. Like there's a code to crack or something. And that is not true. When you really discover yourself, which happens on the spiritual path, when you use sciences like these and the tools from them on a consistent basis that fits your lifestyle and your needs, you find lasting health and longevity. You find that ease within yourself and you are more able to show up to give and receive love, and you will have the courage to take those next steps to get you to your next level of success. I'm going to break down for you now each of these sciences and describe how they can benefit you, and I'm going to offer one tip from each of them that you can start using now, literally today, to get your health and happiness back on track. Now, some of you are definitely going to say, I already do yoga. I don't need to hear about it. I already know it. Actually, 
My guess is you don't fully know how to use yoga to actually increase your longevity in a real way. And I can say that with confidence because I didn't either. And the way that yoga is offered in the West, largely through studios and platforms, it's mostly about performance. And I know what you're going to say. No, it's not about performance. I'm not in there trying to look good in front of everybody. Well, even if you don't think you're going in there trying to perform for others, the nature of how yoga is taught is performative. It's about the pose. It's about the end point. It's about how it looks. And the teachers often guide you to get deeper into that final pose. And they do it in so many different ways through their language and their hands-on adjustments. And the truth is, Yoga is not at all about performance. And when you can really allow that to be true and accept that for yourself, that if you have been learning yoga and doing yoga through this Western lens, which is largely studios and at this point, online platforms like YouTube, it is about performance because they are focusing on going from one thing to the next thing, point A to point B. And if we zoom out, that is actually how a lot of us are living our lives. We try to just get from point A to point B. And we do that over and over and over again, day to day. We also do it in the greater arc of our life. I've got to get here by this age. I've got to reach this milestone by this time. And if we don't, we feel like a failure. And so many people do feel that way in yoga. I have heard countless people say to me, I can't go to yoga. I'm not flexible. I can't do yoga. I feel weird being in there because I can't do all of those flexible poses. You're not supposed to be naturally able to touch your toes and have a six-pack of abs in order to go to a yoga class and feel okay about it. That is indicative of a problem, which is that there has become this culture around yoga that is actually not at all about helping you enhance your longevity and your strength in the long term. It's about how fit are you? How strong are you? And even if you don't really do yoga, how much can you get into the pose and hold it because you're that strong and capable? So even if you're a yogi, even if you do it all the time, I really encourage you to listen to the ways in which you can rethink about yoga and relearn some ways to do yoga so that it is actually benefiting your physical body in the long term. Now, same thing with meditation. I'm sure there are objections that some of you have to meditation. Like, it's hard. It doesn't work for me. Every time I try to do it, I just can't stop the thoughts in my head. And I hear a lot of people say, I know the point of meditation is to not have those thoughts. And I've said this on previous episodes. I actually say it all the time. The point of meditation is not to no longer have thoughts. You will always have thoughts because you have a brain inside of you right now that is literally always thinking. So the goal is not to no longer have thoughts. Actually, the purpose of meditation is to witness those thoughts, to get good at actually seeing, observing, what am I thinking right now? How am I reacting to those thoughts? How am I reacting to this moment in time and space? That is the art of meditation. And when you start to do that, it no longer becomes about fighting with your mind and trying to be stronger than the thoughts within it. It is actually about becoming aware. And when you just practice self-awareness, it's very healing. It's very calming to all of your senses, to your being, because it shifts you out of this place of trying to defeat your own thoughts and somehow conquer them and just really embrace being who you are in that moment and being with yourself. 
And then finally, Ayurveda. Ayurveda, I feel like, is the least well-known of these three sciences that I use. And a lot of people are like, what is that? I've never heard of it. And so I will get more in-depth with that later on in this episode. But basically, Ayurveda is this vast, vast science that actually is a comprehensive medical science born out of India. And so there are Ayurvedic doctors who can do in-depth healing for people, people suffering with really intense diseases, uh, cancers, and have to heal from really, really bad injuries. All of that you can find in Ayurveda. The Ayurveda that I bring forward to my clients is largely lifestyle support. So, you know, it's not someone who's necessarily recovering from a massive injury or dealing with cancer, but someone who is really trying to understand how do I reduce the inflammation in my body? How do I deal with my sleepless nights? How do I heal and resolve my chronic gut pain that just never seems to release itself? Ayurveda gives us a very clear blueprint about how to do that. So, if you are someone who's heard of Ayurveda and you're like, oh yeah, that's about the doshas and I know that I'm Pittavata dosha and whatever, that's great. But largely, again, that's a Western slant towards Ayurveda to focus on the doshas and how to eat for your dosha and how to exercise for your dosha. And while it can be beneficial to a point, I think that actually you can start even simpler. You can just begin looking at Ayurveda as a set of very simple and very effective tools that are natural to help you come into this place of greater gut health, brain health, and therefore just feeling better. And the last thing I'm going to say is that these three sciences are all woven together. They are sister sciences, and, and it, they are referred to as such by people in these spaces, and they have for a long, long time. So when we talk about the benefits of yoga, when we talk about the benefits of meditation and Ayurveda, you will find the deeper that you learn about them and the more you experience them for yourselves, the benefits overlap, right? Like doing Ayurvedic practices on a regular basis do promote longevity. Doing yoga on a consistent basis promotes longevity. Meditating on a regular basis, it's going to bring you this sense of calm and inner peace. So does yoga. And you've probably tasted that if you've ever done yoga before. You have that moment where it's like, ah, I just feel better after that. So all of these sciences weave together, which is why I said at the beginning, they're at their essence, they do serve a very similar purpose. They share roots, which is to bring you back to yourself, to help you feel whole and complete. And honestly, it is to remind you that you already are whole. You are a complete being and existing as your complete self, as I call it, is really just a function of learning how to integrate all the parts of yourself. So that is really what I am here to help people do. That is why yoga, meditation, and Ayurveda are the three pillars of the healing modalities that I use in my spiritual life coaching practice, because these three are really the trifecta of actual, genuine, lasting healing and health for you. No matter who you are, no matter your age, your stage, or your background, you can pick up these tools and really start to learn from them and integrate them into a way that fits your life. And that is what I help people do. I introduce these tools on my retreats. I really go in depth with people in my private coaching. So we really tweak and fine tune how to use them for their specific body and their needs. And it is really an opportunity for you to embrace yourself as a whole being already as a spiritual being already. And I invite you as you listen to this podcast episode to start there. What would it feel like if I saw myself as already whole? What would it feel like if I walked through my days starting from the time I wake up to the time I lay my head down and everything that happens in between. What if I truly embraced 
the concept, I am already whole. How would that change how you show up? How would it inform your words, your actions, and your thoughts? Would you feel more confident, more trusting? Would you overthink what you're about to say less and just go for it? Just be the real you. Would you give your partner your true presence instead of moving from this place of agitation or fear? This is what's possible when you really say to yourself, I am already whole. And I consciously remind myself of that every day. And these tools will help you do that. I say this often to clients. You are not broken. You do not need to be fixed. There is nothing wrong with you. There is simply a disconnect going on within you that makes you feel not your best, that makes you do things that you don't necessarily like, that makes you feeling uncomfortable in your own skin. And it is through the spiritual path and these spiritual sciences that you start to reconnect You start to, day by day, moment by moment, weave back together the fabric of you. And when you do this, you have these moments along the spiritual path in those days where you're doing these practices where all of a sudden you'll look up and you will feel yourself more whole. You will feel yourself being knitted back together and you will start to see a more complete tapestry of your life that at one point felt like just fragments. Before we dive in, I just can't help myself. I have to tell the story of a client. This woman is so cool. (laughs) She came on one of my retreats and then she began one-on-one coaching with me. She has worked in a male-dominated industry. She's worked on the railroad for her entire career. And so the nature of this job is pretty rough. It's kind of a a rough type of person who she's surrounded by. And it's also a rough schedule. It's unpredictable. She's all over the place. And this woman has so much strength as a mother and a grandmother and a professional. She's really a leader in the industry. And she said to me when we first met on the retreat, you know, I just feel like my life is a bunch of scattered puzzle pieces. I don't know how they all fit together. And I can't even get these puzzle pieces to turn over so I see them clearly. If I could get them to turn over, then I might be able to put some of them together. But right now, I just feel like there is something missing, and I don't know what. And I said to her what I just said a moment ago, you don't need to feel broken or shattered. We just need to start bringing you back to yourself, and you will naturally start to feel more complete. So we went through that retreat together where we did yoga and meditation, and I introduced Ayurvedic healing techniques. And then we went on our one-on-one coaching journey together. And she said to me at one point, remember how I told you that I felt like those puzzle pieces were just scattered and turned upside down? Well, the puzzle pieces are turning over and they are very vibrant and colorful. And I see them getting closer together. And basically what that means is life is more fun. I actually like who I am. Now, this might sound like a simple statement that she said, but actually it's not at all because that is what we are all after at the end of the day. We want to feel happy. We want to feel like we like the person we are, right? 
you want to feel fulfilled, actually genuinely satisfied with yourself and your life. Well, that's what I mean when I say the spiritual path is actually really simple. It's not about cracking codes. It's not about turning you into a superhuman. It's about helping you walk back to that place of just really liking your life and who you are in it. So with all that said, let's dive into yoga. Yoga, one of the ancient sciences that has been around for thousands of years. A long time ago, yogis wrote out the principles and the concepts behind yoga into texts. And over time, those texts were translated into specific structures and systems and sequences that were put forward in a more uniformed way. Patanjali is someone who's known as the creator of classical yoga. If you want to, you can go look up that name, Patanjali and classical yoga, and you can read a little bit more about this. But classical yoga basically has several branches at this point today. One of those branches is Hatha yoga. And Hatha yoga is a big piece of the yoga that I teach today, and so many others do as well, because it's accessible and it really encompasses a broad range of ways to engage your body and your breath through yoga to achieve the principles put forth in the original texts. Now, before I go any further, please let me say that I am first and foremost a student of yoga myself. My understanding of it and my practice is in constant evolution as I learn. I am in gratitude to the ancestors of yoga, the practices of yoga, and the country of India from where it began. So the number one thing you need to know about yoga is that it is not about performance. It is about circulation. Might be saying circulation. Like, what? Most of us do not circulate properly, especially today, because we're constantly sitting, we're behind the screen, we're hunched over, we're not a very active society. Even if you're someone who says, I'm pretty active, like more than the average person, you also probably do not circulate properly because, in addition to not moving, we don't know how to breathe. And Breathing is really the start of proper circulation. And so you might be listening to this being like, yeah, no, I could bust out a 14-mile run right now if I really wanted to. You probably still have less than ideal circulation because you're not tuned into your breath and especially not tuned into your breath while you move. So if you've ever had a tension headache, lower back pain, shoulders that are constantly needing massaging, you are not circulating as well as you could. This is the starting point of chronic inflammation. Things like fibromyalgia and sciatica, knee issues, and that injury that doesn't actually heal. And in some cases, poor circulation can also be the cause of menstrual cycle disruptions, fertility issues, and more. If you're someone who has had ulcers or gut health issues in general, this is tied to circulation. So what I'm saying here is that a lot of the issues that we try to just manage day-to-day with over-the-counter medications or if it's more intense, something like chronic inflammation, maybe you've had to be treated by various experts and doctors. But honestly, oftentimes the root cause of this is just poor circulation. And really, circulation deprivation begins with tension. When there's tension and tightness in the body, 
space closes down and you cannot breathe and circulate properly. So then to build circulation through your body, specifically during yoga, it's very simple. You must breathe rhythmically and move your body in coordination with that rhythmic breath. So what I mean is you have to establish a consistent rhythmic inhale and exhale pattern. Most of us don't do that. Think of yourself if you've ever worked out before, like you're in the middle of your workout and you're probably panting, right? And it's like you might even hold your breath if you lift a heavy weight over your head. You're squeezing, you're holding your breath, and then you drop the weight and it's that huge like (sighs) mouth exhale, right? And you then you like hunch over, your hands are on your knees, and you're just breathing, breathing, breathing. That has no rhythm to it. Therefore, you are not circulating. And so even though you tell yourself you're staying healthy by building strength, by pumping those weights, you actually are having the opposite effect on your long-term health because you are shutting down all flow throughout the body. So yoga is really great because the way that the movements of yoga are structured gives you this movement to follow that if you tune into rhythmic breath, it becomes very easy. In other words, I'm saying it might be really hard for you to go practice rhythmic breath in your next HIIT workout or CrossFit workout. But in a yoga class, because of the nature of the movements, it's much easier. So I say this to my clients all the time. Instead of making a mental decision about what your next move is going to be, listen for the cue from your body. So let me break this down. Instead of going from one position, like a downward dog, for example, to the next position, like a forward fold, by saying, okay, I'm going to make this move. This is a choice I'm about to make. You instead quiet yourself enough. Pause in that first position and you wait for a cue from your breath. And if you can do this, if you can really slow down and pause enough in each posture, in each position, you will feel your inhale give rise to a little suggestion. It's kind of like a spark that guides you into your movement. So what I'm saying is you actually are practicing stillness. If you can visualize yourself in a downward facing dog position right now, Now, if you're like, what the F is a downward-facing dog? Imagine yourself just standing upright. But picture yourself in space, being still. And instead of saying, I'm going to move now and then moving, you stay in that stillness and you are quiet. And you are listening in that quiet space. And as you listen, what you're listening for is your inhale to give you that little, it's just the tiniest little push to say, go ahead and move. That invitation from your body's intelligence is going to move you in a way that does not close down space in the body, nor will it disrupt the rhythmic flow of your breath. This is the key to circulating properly and circulating properly in the midst of movement. Learning to circulate properly and while you move is the key to longevity and meaningful gut and brain health as you age. It's that simple. 
it's also that hard because we are so disconnected from our breath and we are so conditioned into chaotic sporadic breathing that really trying to learn your breath and keep rhythmic breath through movements is hard. You can honestly practice this. Just go from sitting, let's say you're sitting in a chair or you're sitting in your car and then you're about to get up. It's very challenging. It takes a huge amount of self-awareness to not break the flow of breath as you go from that seated position to a standing position, as you go from seated in your car to opening the car door, as you go from seated to reaching across your desk for your coffee cup. I invite you to try it. How can I be so aware of myself in time and space and so aware of my breath that I can make a continuous movement and keep continuous breath? If you can do that, you are promoting so much health within the physical body on a biological level, and you are practicing self-awareness, which is a major piece of mental and emotional healing. And I'll get into more of that when I talk about meditation in, in a little bit. Now, the second point I want to make about yoga, which will be my final point here before I get into the tips, your body is always being created, day in and day out. And I hear a lot of people say, I'm too old for this. My body doesn't work that way anymore, so I don't do this activity or that one. Well, I personally feel that this is a narrative that's been conditioned into us by society. And the fact that our society is largely set up to say, yeah, you're going to get old and at that point you're going to shut down and you'll become incapable and then you'll need to go live with other people somewhere else and not really be a part of productive society anymore. There is an idea ingrained that you reach a certain point in life, whether that's coming up soon or it feels far away, you're going to reach a point where it's kind of done. And then, you know, you're just like there living as an old person and the old people, quote, are really not expected to be like physically fit and active. And if they are, people write like magazine articles about them. It's like, wow, that person is in their 80s and they can still run. That doesn't have to be the case. You don't have to see yourself as reaching your expiration mark and therefore your body is just not going to be able to do that much anymore. It is through yoga. It is through learning rhythmic breath and coordinated movement within that rhythmic breath that you actually will be able to reverse the signs of aging. And because you will be circulating properly, you're not going to experience pain and pinching and joint issues as you age. This is the key. It really is. So I invite you all to embrace this idea. And if you are curious about how you can start doing yoga in this way so that you can promote your longevity, reverse the signs of aging within your body, and really start to feel better and healthier, reach out to me. DM me on Instagram. Send me an email. Reach out on my website, perinosjams.com. I want to be hearing from you. So now I'm going to give you two tips. Here is something you can do today. A very simple and effective yoga practice is simply putting your legs up a wall. So you'll lay flat on your back, and maybe that's on the floor or on your bed if your bed is pushed against a wall, and you'll just scoot your booty as close as you can up to the wall, scoot, 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 and then you're going to walk your legs up the wall and hold them there. And with your legs up the wall, you are already doing so much for your circulation because you're allowing blood to flow back down through the body. When you're standing upright or sitting all day, blood flows down. It never really has a chance to go from the feet back up towards the top of the body. By doing this posture alone, you are restoring a lot of, again, foot pain, ankle pain, knee pain, menstrual cycle issues, and gut health issues just by doing this practice alone. Now, the second thing that I invite you to do, you can do this while your legs are up the wall. You can also do this as you are literally just 
existing in your life, pouring your coffee, standing in line at the post office, whatever it is, practice nasal breathing. Nasal breathing means both your inhale and your exhale come from the nose. At no point are you exhaling from the mouth. Now, for some of you, that might be really easy. Some of you might be mouth breathers. If you're a snorer, you definitely breathe through the mouth, at least at nighttime while you're sleeping. And so you want to practice while you can, like while you're consciously awake, breathing in and out through the nose. Nasal breathing has been proven through ancient science, aka yoga, and modern science to enhance circulation to the point where you can actually preserve your brain health. And things like dementia and Alzheimer's, the signs and symptoms of it can be alleviated and reduced or prolonged at least through nasal breathing alone. That's pretty remarkable. And again, the reason for this is it allows the natural things in your body like oxygen and CO2 and nitric oxide to just flow freely. It keeps a balanced ratio of CO2 and O2 in your body. And your body's intelligence is able to do what it knows it needs to do to keep you alive and to keep you healthy. So Nasal breathing is a way to just stay in that natural place of harmony, to connect back to your body's natural way of doing things. So I invite you to try these two things. Put your legs at the wall, relax, relax, let it all go, let it all go. Take deep breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth a couple of times, and then seal the lips and start nasal breathing. Do this for 30 seconds if you only have that amount of time. Five minutes, do it for as long as 30 minutes. This has proven to be one of the most effective strategies for my clients, and it's so, so simple. I had a client who was in the service industry. She was on her feet all day and all night. She would come home with swollen ankles and feet, and she would just be so tired to the bone, she couldn't function the next day. And as a result, she had many, many, many other issues physically, and she was totally stressed, burnt out, and anxious emotionally. She started doing legs at the wall and nasal breathing, and all of those symptoms that I just mentioned alleviated themselves naturally. So please do take these tips, go try this, and embrace yoga as something that's not at all about outward performance. It is about circulation. Finally, I am in gratitude to my teachers who have helped me learn yoga, practice it, and heal myself. Thank you. Meditation, another spiritual science that has also been around for thousands of years. Meditation was actually first documented by Persian people. It's written in the Zend Avesta, which is the Persian spiritual text that outlines practices that people can do to live a spiritually healthy life. So meditation and mantra, mantra basically being rhythmic chanting, are healing techniques for the soul. And the Zend Avesta says should be practiced by all people daily, especially out in nature. And if you're curious about that little last piece, why out in nature, nature is the prime example of rhythm. And rhythm being the sustaining force of life, right? It is what perpetuates life. So meditation is such a powerful tool. And today a lot of people have resistance to it, but hopefully this podcast has helped you and this episode will help you break it down a little bit more so that it feels more accessible. I've been formally taught meditation by my teacher, Chandresh, who I am very grateful for. He is of the Tantra lineage. Now, Tantra is of Indian origin, but it shares so many roots with Persian spirituality and the Persian religion of Zoroastrianism. So 
all of these spiritual sciences, whether you're kind of looking at it from the specific lens of Tantra or Hatha Yoga or whatever, they all at their root, the true, true, true root, share the same purpose, which is what I outlined at the start of this episode. This is the guidance to bring you back to yourself, to witness yourself as an integrated whole being and in doing so to feel lighter, to feel more connected and actually restore the natural rhythms of your body that inherently are there to promote lasting health and happiness. So meditation is the practice of self-awareness. It is the space where you slow down and quiet down enough to witness your whole self. It is the place where you practice seeing yourself as you are in this moment. And this is really important because so many of us today are conditioned to think about who we will be one day, who we will be and how our life will look when we get there, when we have finally made it. We constantly live in the future. We project into the future and we also run from the past. And because our mind is really only good at remembering the past and then projecting into the future, it inherently limits us. We lack perspective when we operate from the mind. So the meditation is the practice of going beyond the mind into your awareness. This is essential. It is when you can go beyond the mind that you experience a greater outlook on life and for yourself. And that is the start of opening the doors to new possibilities for yourself, personally and professionally. It is the door to you seeing your relationships and your purpose from a much bigger place and understanding your life up to this point and all the experiences that have gone down in it, good and bad, with a greater perspective, a healed perspective. Meditation really helps you unlock one of the fundamental pieces of the spiritual path, which is understanding that you are more than your mind. When you start to realize that you are more than your mind, as I mentioned ago, you release so many of your programmed ways of existing, your conditioned thoughts that are actually really holding you back, keeping you anxious, on edge, and chronically moody and unhappy in your own life. Practicing self-awareness is restorative. And in that way, it's very calming. It really does help you step into a greater way of existing within yourself. So meditation can be a formal practice. It can also be a practice of mindfulness. And I distinguish the two by saying mindfulness is something that you can do when you are doing other things. So mindfulness is kind of the way you do your things. If you're mindful of yourself, if you're mindful of your body, if you're mindful of your breath as you're doing something, for example, cooking food or driving your car or doing your day job, you are in this place of mindfulness. And that is awareness. It's really important because, again, that's how you keep perspective. It's when you shut down that mindfulness space within you that you get so sucked into something that it completely takes you over. You get so sucked into that conversation with your boss. You get so sucked into that thing that's happening with your coworkers. Or you get so hung up on the fact that you burnt your dinner that you feel like a total failure. That is where you have lost perspective. So mindfulness is really a way of no matter what I'm doing, I'm going to show up as an integrated being. I am going to keep my rhythmic breathing happening. I'm going to keep an awareness, an observation 
of my body in time and space. And you can do that. I invite you to try this. The next time you're cooking or writing an email, keep some of your awareness, partial awareness on your body as you're doing that thing. As if you were someone else looking at you as you were writing that email. This is a very interesting, very deep practice that requires a lot of refinement. But if you start to do it, if you start to play around with it with curiosity, I think you will notice some pretty cool things about yourself. So it's really, really useful to see meditation as something that can be done fluidly throughout your day-to-day activities. Now, the other way that you can practice meditation is in a formal practice. And I have done a formal practice under the guidance of my teacher, Chandresh, for several years. And it's helped me tremendously. It is in cultivating the ability to be still and to be with myself and really go inward that I have transformed so much of how I show up in my own world. And I really attribute my structured meditation practice, my formal meditation, to being one of the biggest reasons for my success as an entrepreneur, having the courage and the ability and the necessary consistency to actually start a business and have it work, right? It actually has legs, like it's a real thing. I don't think I could have done that had I not had this formal practice where I was still and external parts of me were slowed down and the internal parts of me were able to come to the forefront and I was able to kind of understand what was going on internally more, make sense of it, and then work with it. I think that that disconnect between the external self and the internal self is so real for so many of us that it's the reason we kind of bump into ourselves. We get in our own way. We self-sabotage. We burn out and we never actually realize our potential because we are in this conflict with ourselves that we don't even realize. And really the conflict is just a disconnect. Your outer self, the you that thinks all the time and does all the things and kind of puts yourself into motion every day, that self is disconnected from the inner self, the inner self being the body's intelligence the subtle cue of your breath, the rhythmic flow of your breath and your prana and your digestion, all of these things that are going on within you that are very, very, very key to your success each and every day and contribute to your lasting success, energy, and vision for your life personally and professionally. So I really, really feel like if you can tap into a formal meditation practice, you can unlock new heights to your potential. I really truly believe this fully. And I would say rarely does that happen. Rarely have I come across people who actually have a formal meditation practice because it's hard for so many people because actually being committed and diligent enough to sit and meditate on a regular basis, we don't want it because it's not instant gratification. And you tell yourself that your time is better spent doing other things. You should be more productive. You should just get back to those emails. You should just go for that run because that's actually going to do something. We are so conditioned into thinking that sitting and being still isn't productive. You throw the baby out with the bathwater. You just kind of say, eh, yeah, okay, sometimes I meditate, sometimes I do it. But at no point do you really grasp the understanding that consistent daily formal meditation is the key to unlocking lasting success. I have one client who has really embraced a formal seated meditation where we focus on very specific chakra points. And in connecting with specific chakra points, she's also used a mantra that's specific to her. And she has really felt 
the transformation that comes from that. Actually, this is so funny. That's the same client that I mentioned earlier (laughs) who works on the railroad and is a leader in her industry and has really started to say, I finally like who I am. She is someone who has really, really embraced meditation and it's been so powerful to watch. So meditation, if I can go back for a second, it is a continuous process of getting more and more refined at witnessing your whole self in time and space. So day one of trying to witness yourself, you might witness how your thoughts are so annoying and that's it. And you might walk away from that meditation being like, wow, I'm just annoyed because all I could think about were my own thoughts. Day 20 of your meditation might be you're able to witness your hair and your hands and it's not just your thoughts that feel like they, they take the majority of your focus. Day 45 of meditation might be that you can start to witness your heartbeats. Day 750 might be witnessing the limitless space within your root chakra. The point is, this is a very gentle, organic evolution of understanding yourself more clearly from the inside out. It cannot be rushed. It is a process that unfolds organically, as I said, in its own time. And what you need to do is just show up for it consistently. If you show up consistently, it will start to work for you. And I say this all the time about meditation, and I don't think people really get it. But hopefully what I've said here helps you get it. That meditation, it is a vast, vast universe to step into. And if you sit down trying to achieve something, if you sit down with an expectation in mind that you're going to feel this way or that way by the end or after five days of it or whatever, you've already lost. You've lost the game. And it's honestly not really a game. It just is what it is. Like you have already closed down the space around meditation when you walk into it with your mind's expectations of how it should go and what it should do for you. Because meditation is inherently about going beyond the mind. It's about slowing down and witnessing to see what else lives within you outside of your thoughts and your intellect and your ability to analyze and make things happen. So my tip for you, take 30 seconds. You can pause this episode and do it right now. Whatever you choose to do, whenever you choose to do it, just pause your movement, your motion, slow down, take a breath, and practice global body awareness. What I mean by that is, start to look at yourself in that space and time. Whether you're on a street corner, you're in your car or whatever, witness the whole front of your body. Take all of you in, your hair, the clothes you have on, the way you're standing or sitting or whatever, take it all in, start to observe. 30 seconds of that. Time yourself if you want, put an alarm on your phone and then do the same thing and witness the backside of your body. 30 seconds, you can time it if you want. And if you really want to get creative with it, Put another 30-second timer on and see if you can witness the whole front self and the back self and kind of start to just take in this 360 panoramic view of you. Try it out. That can be the start of your meditation. Ayurveda, the third spiritual science we will cover today and the third pillar of my spiritual life coaching practice. Ayurveda translates from Sanskrit to mean the science of life. Ayur means life and Veda means knowledge, roughly. But I like to think of it as the science of your life, meaning that when you understand the unique needs of your body, mind, and energy to feel most happy and healthy, you thrive. Now, I don't mean to say the science of your life in like an imperialistic, capitalistic, patriarchal 
way, not in the sense of everything is about the individual and all about you above all others. No, what I mean is that when we start to tune into our essence, who we really are, and what we need to do in terms of food, rest, movement, and self-care to function in harmony with our essence, we thrive personally and professionally. I also mean that when we tune into ourselves in a real way, instead of just doing the rat wheel of life, we realize that our basic needs are not different from others. And our deep desires and dreams in life are not different from other people. And in that way, we realize a universal language among all people and things. This is healing. It promotes ease, connectedness, and harmony between you and the world you inhabit, including the people that you don't know and you'll never see. There is an understanding that you are a part of something bigger and greater, and in your healing, that is really, really restorative to the soul and calming to the mind. Ayurveda also shares roots with traditional Persian medicine. It is documented at a greater extent and in much more depth than traditional Persian medicine ever was. But if you look closely, these two sciences both outline very, very specific ways to heal the body of ailments and illness, as well as ways to guide a relatively healthy person through a lifestyle that, again, promotes longevity, reduces anxiety, and cultivates self-awareness. So the way I use Ayurveda for my clients, and a lot of Ayurvedic practitioners use it today in the West, is to help people outline a lifestyle that promotes their natural sense of ease. And we do that by looking at three things. One, how you rest. Two, your diet. Three, how you move. Now, we covered how you move earlier in this episode. That's why I bring in yoga, because in addition to fitness and whatever else you like to do to move your body, you have to incorporate this healing form of relaxation and circulation through yoga to really maintain the greatest degree of health and happiness for yourself. When I work with clients one-on-one, -on -one, we dive deep into the diet component. Now, this is not the Western approach of counting your calories and looking at your macros. I am not a nutritionist, and honestly, that gives me a stomachache even thinking about it. What I help people do is tune into how to regulate their digestion. And this is unique to the individual, depending on their body constitution, depending on their lifestyle, depending on how they operate. But a lot of us eat in a conditioned way, meaning we've just picked up these habits from the time you were a child or maybe from the time you were in college or since you've started this really busy job, you have these eating habits that may or may not be serving you. They may or may not agree with your body and therefore they are not helping you live happy and healthy. And so much of how happy you feel is tied to your gut health, the quality of your digestion. And that is what I help people focus on, the quality of your digestion. And this is what I honestly feel like is skipped over in a lot of the Western approach to diet. Nobody's looking at how your body is responding to the things you're eating. They're just saying, eat this because it's low calorie or eat this if you get really, really hungry. I've even heard one of my clients say that they were told by their nutritionist to never let themselves get hungry. Never let yourself get hungry because if you get hungry, you are going to go to your bad habits. You're going to reach for the bag of Doritos. I heard this from a client. Ayurveda says the opposite, and honestly, intuition says the opposite. If you never get hungry, 
your body is never able to actually thoroughly digest food. If your body never thoroughly digests the food you put in it, you are constantly stacking food on top of food within yourself and your digestive tract gets slowed down. The food that has never digested that you've just put new food on top of will literally sour in your gut. And when you have soured food in your gut that you cannot digest and your body cannot assimilate, you start to experience inflammation. You start to experience stomach aches and constipation. And if it goes on and on, you can honestly start to experience leaky gut. And that creates a lot of issues for your long-term health, including autoimmune diseases. So we have been taught so many insidious ways of hurting our digestive health that our overall health suffers. Now, the third piece we went through, movement, diet, rest. The third piece is rest. I help my clients really tune into this concept of resting. One, rest is more than just sleep. And two, your sleep really, really, really matters. <laughs> so two things that a lot of people, especially the people I serve, who are these really driven people who are out to accomplish a whole lot, they have to learn that rest is okay. And, you know, this is kind of like a trendy concept now, like resting is acceptable, self-care isn't selfish, that whole thing. So that's great. Honestly, I'm a huge proponent of that because even though it's trendy, it's true. You need to rest and you need to rest fully and completely. There is such thing as like thorough rest. So we get into a lot of that and how it relates to your exercise and your movement practices. Because I hear a lot of clients say, oh yeah, no, on my rest day, all I did was like a light jog. All I did was like a little walk. And I have to remind them like rest is rest. Rest is rest. You need to actually rest. And then we get into sleep. Sleep is so essential, as I'm sure you're aware, for your health, your brain health, your gut health, and feeling okay in your life, your productivity, right? So there are so many things that we need to kind of iron out based on your individual sleep practices and habits. And it's hard to lay out what those are in a format like this because I don't know you, right? But I can say that I hear people say things from I don't have a set bedtime. I don't have a set wake-up time. Do I hear people saying, like, I just can't fall asleep, and so then I go end up working? I hear people saying, I don't eat my last meal until 9 or 10 p.m., and then, you know, I try to get to bed by, like, 11 or midnight. All of these things are not helping you get thorough sleep. And you must sleep thoroughly in order for your brain to detox itself. Your whole body needs to process and detox. And it does this on its own. Remember, your body has an intelligence, but it cannot do that if you are getting in the way, if you are staying up until 2 a.m., if you are filling your body with food or alcohol into the wee hours of the night. It's not going to happen. Your body will not be able to carry out its natural functions because you have disrupted it. So a huge part of getting good thorough sleep is letting your body actually come back to its natural circadian rhythms. And for some of you, you might be night owls. Like you might naturally want to sleep less and your body might need less hours of sleep. And for others of you, you might need eight full hours of sleep. So a huge part of what I help clients look at is like we have to tune back into your rhythms. But you don't know your rhythms when you're constantly interrupting them with work or whatever. So that that is really, really, really key. And the nice thing is that Ayurveda lays all of this out, how your rest, your diet, and your movement interconnect. And it lays out very specific blueprints and methods for how to do this stuff. So 
it doesn't feel complicated. It's very simplistic and it's very intuitive. So I'm going to give the example of how this is so intuitive through my tip to you around Ayurveda. So this is going to have to do with how you can think about movement, how you can think about food, and how you can think about rest over the course of a day, all connected. And if you want to, you could write this down for yourself because if you just hear it, it might it might feel a bit confusing. So Ayurveda says that your energy builds and wanes in conjunction with the movement of the sun. That means early in the day, between 4 and 6 a.m., your energy starts to pick up. Why? Because the sun is starting to rise. And then your energy peaks at midday when the sun is at its zenith. And then it starts to wane as the sun drops in the sky, reaching a point of needing rest when the sun is gone, right? When it sets. So if we think about this, our energy rises and falls with the coordination of the sun, then how we structure our movement, rest, and food can also follow the movement of the sun. That's very practical. And honestly, you will always be able to do it because you will always know when the sun is rising, peaking, and sinking. So let's think about this. When the energy is rising early in the day, that is a great time to start to mobilize your energy through movement. Now, I'm not saying you need to go run seven miles before you go to work for the day. I'm saying that could be a great time to do your yoga and somatic practices. And again, I teach the yoga and somatic practices in a way where my clients can do this in 10 minutes or less. It's just enough to get your energy stimulated, to get your metabolism stimulated, and to connect with the natural rhythm of your body that day through the breath and through awareness. That is essential. So it can be a great time to mobilize your energy. It's also a great time to pick up your metabolism and eat some food. But I always guide my clients to eating in a way that is appropriate for their specific body and appetite. Some people don't all get hungry at 8 a.m. And a lot of my clients because they're so busy, they are eating on the go. And so we really have to tune into how can you eat in a way that produces calm for your digestion? And I bring in a lot around digestive teas and how that's going to help your digestive health too. So early in the day, just for the purpose of making this streamlined, start thinking about how could I start to mobilize my energy earlier in the day, even if I only took 10 minutes to do it. Okay. Now from there, midday, your energy is at its peak. That means your digestion is at its strongest. So what would it feel like to have your biggest meal midday, in the middle of the day? And for a lot of people, they're like, oh, well, that's impossible because I just work through lunch. Well, again, that's a conditioned habit from the society we live in. It is not sustainable for your energy, for your blood sugar, for literally the biological function of your body to skip lunch. So what would it feel like to start to bring in the idea of eating lunch on a consistent basis midday? That means not two o'clock, not three o'clock, but midday between 11 and 12, let's say 11 and one, just to give you a buffer. Okay. Step three of this tip is we have to bring rhythm between your diet, your movement, and your sleep. So if you are someone who's been eating at 10 p.m., what would it look like to give yourself between two and three hours between your last meal and when you go to bed? So if you go to bed at 11.30, you cannot be eating your dinner at 10 p.m. If you go to bed at 10, you can't eat your dinner at nine. I mean, 
you can, but you're not going to sleep very well because your body isn't going to want to do two things at once. It's not going to want to sleep and digest at the same time. It's going to choose digestion over the sleep and your sleep will not be very thorough. So what would it look like to walk your dinner time back an hour, two hours and start where it's easy? If you're like, oh my God, that's impossible. What are you even saying to me right now? Okay, move it back by 15 minutes and try that for a week. And then if that feels doable, move it to 20 minutes and just slowly work your way back. It's all about trying to day by day establish a little bit more rhythm to your life. Okay, so you don't need to like go cold turkey or totally overhaul your life. And I say that to my clients, like let's start where it's easy. For some people, it feels really easy to adjust their meal times and the quantity of food they eat. So if that's you, start there. If you're like, whoa, no way, I cannot adjust that. That feels really overwhelming. Don't start there. Start with movement. Does it feel reasonable to put some movement in earlier in the day? If you're someone who is working out at 8 p.m. and trying to go to sleep by 10, that's probably not going to happen because you've just kicked your energy up through exercise late, late, late in the night, you're not going to want to come down and sleep right after that. So what would it feel like to move your workout earlier in the day closer to when your energy is at its peak, like midday, and work out right before lunch or just work out between 3 and 4 p.m.? That's a great time for movement too. So maybe that's a, a great place to start. All of us have our own lifestyle that we are deeply habituated into. So when we look at how to bring in these Ayurvedic principles that are very simple. They are very, very simple, but they feel so hard because sometimes they can feel like they contradict or go against our habituated lifestyle. We just have to start where it's easy. And that is what I invite you to do. So take a look at your rest. Take a look at your movement. Take a look at your diet. And you can even write on a piece of paper those three things. Make columns for each. And then write down what are my habits? Like what's my bedtime? What's my wake time? What do I usually eat through the day? How many times am I eating? When is my biggest meal? How often do I exercise? What does that usually look like? And from there, see, could there be some rhythm established between the three? Could I have some consistent times where I do these things throughout the week? Could I have some consistent times between these things, like between my exercise and my meal, between my exercise and my sleep, between my meal and my sleep, right? See if you can start to bring some rhythm there. All right. I hope that this has helped you. I hope that you have started to see that yoga, meditation, and Ayurveda, these are sister sciences that all weave together, and you really can't do one without the other. You can practice yoga, but it is not nearly as effective as it could be for you without meditation and Ayurveda. And same thing, when you meditate, but you never focus on the way your diet and your sleep are interacting through Ayurveda, you're really not maximizing the benefits of your time in meditation. And they all work together in this triangle in such a powerful way that you really can transform the quality of your life. You can transform your health and the direction of your health for the rest of your life through these three simple sciences. And I'll give one more example. I had a client a few years back. She is a very busy surgeon, medical doctor. And so she works all the time. She's on her feet, sometimes in surgery for like 14 hours at a time. So it's virtually impossible for her to every single day have the same rhythm to her diet, to her sleep, and to her exercise because of the nature of her job. And even if you're not a surgeon, you might relate to that. Like maybe you're a parent and you realize like every day, because I have to care for other people, another human, like I cannot just plan out my days to all be the same. So this client was like, 
when I'm in surgery, sometimes I don't eat or drink anything, not only in those hours, but for a few hours before, because I don't want to have to go to the bathroom during my surgery. And I was like, wow, this is really, really problematic for your health. And what was interesting about this client is she was trying to conceive, but she was having trouble. And she wasn't sure why she was having trouble conceiving. She thought there was something wrong with her. And I tried to just gently point out to her, there's nothing wrong with you. But the fact that you go for these tremendously long stretches of time on your feet without resting, without eating, without moving your body and really exhausting your brain power, your body is kind of in stress mode. It's in survival mode because of the nature of your job. And when your body is in survival mode and it's chronically stressed out, it's not going to conceive easily. Because why would it, first of all? And secondly, again, the natural rhythm is thrown off and your body's natural systems are thrown off, including your menstrual cycle. So of course you won't naturally be able to conceive easily. So a lot of the work we started to do is look at what are the ways that we can adjust? What are the pockets of time in your life that are realistic to you where we start to integrate some rhythm? We start to bring in some consistent habits that actually nourish your body and nourish your energy and bring rest to you so that your body has just a little bit more rhythm to it. And believe it or not, within two months of getting her on a very consistent practice of meditation, and Ayurvedic lifestyle, diet, and movement practices. And in addition to that, doing a lot of in-depth spiritual guidance around getting to the root of her fears and anxieties and doubts that were playing out in the background of her life. Within two months of that, she became pregnant. And to this day, it is one of my favorite stories to tell because it is honestly jaw-dropping if you really think about that, how your body knows what it needs to do. We have to get out of the way. You have to get out of the way. And I'm not saying that you're trying to get in the way. Like this client of mine, she's a doctor. She's literally saving lives. Like we should not tell her to not do that. And she just has to come back to herself. She has to connect back to herself. And she did that through yoga and through meditation and through Aryaveda. And she still uses these practices today. And she knows that when she's really, really stressed and when she's feeling really, really on edge, she knows what she needs to do. And I've heard her say so many times, you know what? I really need to recommit to my meditation practice. You know, I've been doing yoga lately and I just feel so good. And it is amazing to see her and to watch her today a few years later because she is so happy and she is so confident and she is a wonderful mother and she is thriving in her job. She has received accolades on accolades at her work. And she has said to me, you know, I really don't think I would have propelled myself in my workplace in the ways that I have if I hadn't done that work, that spiritual guidance work where I really released a lot of the roots of my fears and anxieties that I didn't even realize I was holding. And she said, I feel so good in my body. This is like the best I've ever felt. And you can tell she's like so confident in her own skin. And she's like, well, it's because I really did change a lot of my habits that were ingrained in me from a young age because I never felt like I had the body that I wanted. And, and I just was doing what I thought I had to and what I had been trained to do as a professional to really not pay any attention to my needs and just show up for the job. And she's like, when I started to really realize that there is a way to bring balance, things have really fallen into place. So I give this example because the same is true for you. Whether you're a medical surgeon or you are another type of professional or you're a stay-at-home parent or whatever, no matter who you are, no matter your age, your gender, your background, your, your phase of life, this applies to you because you are a human being and your body and your mind and your energy are all interconnected. And when you realize that you are a whole being, you are a whole system, 
You are a complete self right now. It becomes so much easier to start doing these practices and caring for yourself, not to feel like you need to become fixed from your current broken state, but to just enhance the wholeness that is already within you, that is already you. It is how you embrace your essence. And embracing your essence, you show up as the real you. And the real you is the you that is going to be extremely successful and extremely happy and so fulfilled in love. I hope that this episode reached you. Please share it if you know that someone in your circle needs to hear it. And I hope that you reach out. Again, Instagram, my website, or email. These are all options for you to reach out. I will respond to you. And I want you to know that if you're someone who's struggling with chronic health issues, you wake up every day on edge, uninspired, tired, like you just want to go back to bed. If you're someone who has experienced cycles of relationship issues, feeling like you can't just figure it out and there's something wrong with you, the spiritual path is calling you because you're not broken. You're not lost or deficient. You need to come back to yourself and to reconnect to your wholeness. And you do that through these spiritual practices. Remember that I am here to support you. You can reach out to me via my website, perinazshams.com. You can subscribe to my mailing list from my website by entering your email address, and then you will get weekly updates from me, tips and tools to keep you feeling healthy and happy. You will learn about spiritual practices that I introduce on my retreats, as well as to my one-on-one clients just from my email list. So that's a great place to get started. I invite you all to go check out that space alongside my social media page, underscore Perinaz Shams, underscore. I also drop tips, tools, and insights. And I also have conversations with other experts in the wellness field where you can gain access to new insight on how the spiritual path might fit you at this time and where to get started. No matter who you are, no matter what stage of your healing and growth you are today, I honor you. I see you. And thank you for embracing your essence.